Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, come on. That's amazing. Are you guys receiving this morning? I believe that God is so, it's just already going to be amazing. But I honestly want to say, when Tony Fosco hits the Holy Spirit snare back here, it just shakes the place up. So I don't know, but worship is off the chain. We're ready for this. And, and I want to read this word to you really quickly. I'm coming in Matthew chapter 14. So if you have your Bible, quickly, quickly get there. If you have your phone, it's like two buttons. You can get there right now. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. And I believe there's something in here for every single one of us today. And I believe we're going to receive from God. And so I just want to read this to set the tone, and then we'll just dive straight in. Starting in verse 22. Here we go. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. He began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much. That this is a privilege, this is an honor for us to spend time with you, that we have this direct access that we don't have to ask for permission. You say, come ready to receive from heaven. We have not because we ask not. And so today, God, I am asking for every individual in this room, every person watching online, God, that there is a word that you have for their heart that's going to change their life forever. I believe that today. And so, God, I pray that you prepare our hearts. God, I pray that you prepare my heart to be used. God, speak through me and use it all for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that everybody said, amen. You can go ahead and take your seat. Thank you, band. Hey, can we give it up for the worship team? Just always bringing their best. I feel like we already had church. And it's exciting because I I just believe when God shows up like that, man, it's just the room's already ready. And I believe that we should be ready. Here's the, here's the news flash of the day for you. You ready? God does miracles. Real cool. Real cool thing. Stuff that is not explainable. Stuff that doesn't make sense. It's a miracle. And before I tell you anything else today, I want you to catch this. Sometimes we come to church. Sometimes we just live this Christian life because we want God to do a miracle through us. But today I believe that God wants to do a miracle in you more than he wants to do a miracle through you. I believe that God will go through you if he is in you. So today, just be ready to receive that God wants to do a miracle in you because that's the way it's going to happen. And I believe it's going to change your life. So we pick up in Matthew 14, right? This is the, the story that you may have heard before. Jesus walking on water. What you need is a little bit of context. Before this, 
Jesus does one of the coolest miracles that I, that I know to date, that I've read in the Bible. You know, sometimes I see stuff, I'm like, well, that was there. But this to me is really crazy. Jesus is preaching from a boat, which is pretty cool. If you don't understand, in those days, people would line up across a hill and a mountainside. Jesus couldn't just preach like he didn't get a microphone. And so the cool way was the acoustics bounced off. So he's out in a boat and there are thousands of people. The Bible says 5,000 men which means it's not counting women and children. So there are way more thousands of people. There's some scholars that'll try and tell you the number. The thing you need to know is that's a big sermon. He's preaching to a lot of people. But what's crazy is that the sermon isn't what does the miracle. Watch this. The disciples are like, Jesus, we want to go get Chick-fil-A. It's not Sunday. Tomorrow is. We're ready to eat. So let us go home because we're ready to eat. Send these people out of here. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You want to eat. We're going to eat. What they didn't know was that they, wanted, they thought there was going to be through them. He wanted to do something in them. What he does is he takes a boy's lunch, five loaves of bread, two fish, feeds all those people that are on the mountainside. That's where we pick up this passage. Okay, you ready? You with me? Yeah. Oh, you're with me. 11 a.m. We're ready to rock. Verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted, he said he insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Jesus, the man who could just do anything that was a full man and fully God, needed to get alone. I love that. He, 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 he understood the principle that sometimes you just have to get away. Sometimes you just have to put yourself connected to the source sometimes there's a lot going on because you know what I think in this? Jesus just does this miracle. I think he's tired. He got tired, but he was tired of the disciples, if I'm being honest. He was tired of hanging with these guys. They're like that, you know, needy little puppy that's just following you everywhere, clinging to his hip. He's like, could you send these guys home? You want to send those home? I want to send you home. Now, I don't think he was like aggressive like that, but I do think he got tired of them because sometimes there's a lot of voices and opinions in your life. Isn't that true? Sometimes there's a lot of people that are talking and, and putting in voice in it. So he said, you know what? I need to get alone. I need to get plugged in to the source. Now, I don't know about you, but I have an addiction to my cell phone. Um, and, and it's hard for me to let it go sometimes. It's so hard for me to let it go that when the battery life runs out, I go over, I find my charger, I plug my phone in, it's going, that little amazing noise goes, ba-dink. If you have your sound on, if you have an Android phone, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm sorry for your loss. But if you charge your phone, it starts to grow. It starts to gain some power. But what's crazy is I'm so addicted that I don't just let it sit there and charge, especially if it's at nighttime and I plug it in next to my bed. What do I start doing? Scrolling, looking at stuff, watching shows. I don't just let it charge. Can I ask you a practical question today? Does your phone charge better when it's in the source, but you're still draining something, or does it charge better when you just leave it over there and sit? When you leave it alone. Jesus got alone. He got alone to the source. He said, I don't need these guys right now. They're just an Instagram social media feed. I got to put them on the side. I need to charge. Now, when Pastor Colby asked me to share this weekend, which by the way, can we just take a second and honor Pastor Colby and Christian for their leadership of this house? It's amazing. 
You guys lead us so well, and I'm so grateful. And, and so what's interesting is Pastor Kobe came to me. He said, hey, I want you to share next weekend about community and getting in a group and having people together. Now, the last five minutes I just preached about being alone. I promise I'm going there. I promise I'm going there. I'm not just preaching a different sermon. But to tell you the truth, if you can't get yourself alone and get yourself right, you got no business being with other people. You got no business, because can I tell you something? We're a family. That means we're in this together. So you know what that means? We all bring something to the table. So if we're not getting well on our own, we can't bring anything that's going to help somebody else out. Amen? Jesus got alone. He got alone. He he sees the, the idea of, you know, you have to be able to hear the voice of God. He had to know because what we see is another miracle about to happen. Jesus is in the gap. He's like, you know what? I just did this miracle. I know this miracle's coming because he knew somebody. He knew. But he said, I still got a charge. What happens with us when we have a miracle happen in our life? God does something. He provides, gives us a new job, gives you a brand new car. You're whipping that car. You don't even care. It's a new Tesla. It's a new Bronco. I don't know what it is, but you're whipping it and you forget where it came from. Jesus did never forget where his hope, his strength, his peace, his comfort came from. God the Father. And I believe that we need to learn what the voice of God sounds like when we're alone with him so that when there are other people around, we know what God's voice sounds like. And it's not the voice of somebody else speaking a thing. Pastor Kobe shared a great message about discerning, having a filter in the last series we just did. That only comes through knowing God's voice. That was a big thing we pushed for. So I have two brothers. I have a 24-year-old brother and a 15-year-old brother. So that's a good time growing up. We like to cause trouble, amen, because we're boys. That's what we do. We like to wrestle. We like to just for no reason wrestle. My parents didn't even have to step in sometimes because we just handled it ourselves. Come on, somebody. If you got boys, you know what I'm talking about. But what was crazy was there was still parenting involved, of course. My parents are amazing. God bless them. But my dad trained us to listen to this sound. A snap. And the snap had some weight to it. See, the snap was, boys, if I need your attention, boys, if I need you to listen, boys, if I need you to cut out because there's something bad for you that I don't want you to have, if there's something there, I need to snap and you're going to hear my voice. Now, could my dad expect me to know that if he never trained that with me? Absolutely not. That doesn't just happen. But he did. We were at home, just me and my brothers, just my mom around. Me and my brothers acting up, snapped. He would test us. We got used to it. We were like Pavlov's dogs for all you psychology people. We were trained to the sound of a snap. But you know why? Because then we could be in a room of this many people, and I could be all the way over in this seat. My dad could be over there. Me and my brother could be wrestling, causing a ruckus. He would snap. We would whip, and we knew. Can I tell you something? You gotta know what your dad's voice sounds like. And if you can't get alone, you will never know. You will never know. And so I believe God's gonna teach us about community today, but I need you to take that as your foundation. Get alone with God, learn what his voice sounds like so when there's other voices, opinions, people's thoughts that are sometimes whack, you need to know what is gonna be beneficial for you, amen? Verse 24, let's keep cruising. Meanwhile, somebody say meanwhile. The disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. The definition of meanwhile, this is, you know, super simple. I'm not like a dictionary expert. The definition of meanwhile is at the same time. Would we all agree? So 
isn't this interesting to me? I know I have had this happen. I can almost guarantee it's happened to every single one of you. You can come to church. You can just feel the presence of God. You can just receive from the Lord. You can have somebody pray over you. You can just receive a word. You're ready to go, and you get back in the car, and it's the same way you were when you got to church. Never happened. It never happened. Can I tell you why that happens? There's this punk that I cannot stand in his name is the devil. He a jerk, y'all. And what he wants to do, stir up some junk in your life. He wants to prevent you from what God has for you. And so you might come, you might receive, God might do a work in you, and he will try everything in his power to keep you from receiving that. He will try to distract you. So isn't it interesting that in this miracle, I believe this is what you need to see. In this miracle that Jesus goes on the hill, he's praying, he's he's receiving from God. He sends the disciples out. He's the one that sent them. The disciples go out. The enemy starts stirring up. It says that some winds were rising up. It says some waves were coming up. And they're middle of a storm. And they're about to die because the enemy doesn't like when you listen to the voice of God. He wants to mess you up. But can I tell you something? At the same time, I have a meanwhile. His name is Jesus. And when the storm starts stirring up, Jesus is on a hill and he's praying for me and he's believing for me and he knows that he's going to rescue me. You have a meanwhile. You need to know that today. His name is Jesus and he is so in love with you just because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. If you never heard that, he loves you. He loves you. That's why he wants to be in relationship with you. That's why he wants to do life with you. Because when a storm comes, he wants to be able to say, they know my voice. They know my voice. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming to restore. But what's crazy is they're fighting their waves. So you need to know that. The Bible says that the disciples were fighting the waves. I think that is so prophetic. We need to fight our waves. Just because we have the source, just because we have a meanwhile, doesn't mean we just throw our hands up and say, oh, it is what it is. God's got it. No, 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 no. We are active in our seats. Amen? We are active receiving from what God wants to do. We're going to continue on. Verse 25. About 3 o'clock in the morning, turn to your neighbor and say, that's early. That's early. If you're on the chat, put it in the chat. That's early. Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Unbelievable. Some of my best times with God, can I tell you something? Three o'clock in the morning. For real. I actually received this word at three o'clock in the morning. God woke me up. All of a sudden, I just started getting thoughts in my head. Like, this is what I want you to share. This is what I want you to share. This is what I want you to share. Three o'clock in the morning. I don't know what it is. If I signed a contract when I said yes with Jesus, like there was some of that small print that said, you have given me permission to wake you up at three o'clock in the morning. I don't know if I did that. I sure as hope I didn't do that because I'm like, man, I'm trying to get some shut eye. I'm only in like four hours. I'm about to get into that REM sleep, dream about how great my life's going to be. And you're like, no, 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 come back. Like, man, I'm trying to sleep. I don't know about you. Three o'clock in the morning is early. Some of you work at that hour. God bless you. But three o'clock is early. But you know what I've learned? I think it's the same thing. My father has conditioned me in the same way that my earthly father conditioned me that when that voice comes at three o'clock in the morning, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to know what God wants to do. Because can I tell you something today? This is a promise. God is never on your timetable, but he is always on time. 
He is always on time. He doesn't skip a beat. He doesn't miss a moment. There's not a moment where you're struggling or where you're hurting and he doesn't see it. He will show up when it's his time. So don't get discouraged if you haven't seen him move yet. He's going to move, but it's not on your timetable. It's on his time. It's on his time. So Jesus shows up. You know why I think he shows up for this miracle? I think it was to build their faith. What's interesting is that, you know how they responded? In their fears, what the Bible says, and I quote, in their fear. Is, is that your first reaction? Fear? I respond in fear a lot of the times. It is not easy to respond in faith. But what I think we can learn in this moment, in this season of life, is that if something is invoking fear, it might just be something that God wants to build your faith with. It might just be something that God sent your way because he said, I want to see how they respond. I want to see if he's going to throw the towel in or I want to see if he's going to respond and build his faith. I played soccer my entire life and it was great. It was honestly a casual thing for me most of my life. Or if you're from England, there's got some, we have some English people that come to our church. Dale is in our church. They say football. Come on, somebody. But I played it my entire life. It was easy. And then I decided to play college soccer. It was no longer easy. I tell you right now, college coaches are on a different breed. They are wild. They don't care about your feelings. They don't care about your physical feelings. They want to run you till you're dead. They want to invoke fear into your life, <laughs> a healthy fear. See, my coach that I had, I actually, in preseason, in a 24-hour period, because we trained three times a day, and, and I sweat a lot, y'all. I hate it. When it's hot in here, that's why Pastor Colby loves the AC on. I'm like, come on, somebody. That's my thing, too, because I sweat easy. I dropped 14 pounds of water weight in a 24-hour period. For those of you that don't know, that's not healthy. <laughs> I was throwing up laying on the ground on the second day of preseason. What's crazy is it didn't happen to me just in my freshman year. It happened to me in my sophomore year too. Both the same way. We had two-a-day practice. Ridiculous. But isn't it cool how God can mature you? See, as a freshman, I went in. I was so scared. I never, I mean, he used language with me in the locker room when I messed up. Words I didn't even know you could make up. You know what I'm saying if you're reading between the lines. I'm like, what am I getting myself into? He's like riding me, invoking fear. And as a sophomore, I finally got it. Isn't that amazing? We can mature. And what I realized was that he's trying to invoke fear, but what he's really trying to do is build my faith. What he's really trying to do is set me up because I'm going to go somewhere, and at the end of the season, it might be the playoffs, and he's going to be like, Josiah, you're not going to want to come out of the game, but if you're not fit, if you're not ready for that, I'm going to have to pull you out. I might have to drag you because you're dying, but if you did the work, when I show up, I believe God wants to do the same thing in your life. If he shows up and you react fear, I would encourage you, look to see if it's something that God wants to build your faith with. And you might just say, I don't have that kind of faith. Okay, that's fine. We'll get you there. But if you're the person that, that's going to say, whether you have a lot of faith or not, and you say, you know what, but I just don't have that faith. Can I tell you something? You better stop looking for ghosts. 
Jesus shows up walking on water, their first reaction, it's a ghost. I don't know if you've checked lately, but when my best friend shows up, I know what he looks like. They lived with this guy like they didn't, they were never separated, really. There were moments. He shows up walking on water and they think their best friend is a ghost. My best friend doesn't shapeshift, so I'm good when he comes in the room. I'm like, okay, I know. So I want to tell you right now, in this moment, if, if something is causing fear in your life, stop putting it there. That means you need to stop watching horror movies on Netflix. Uh-oh. I just mean like you don't want to do something that's going to cause fear in your life. That means you might have to turn the news off. Oh, no. You might have to turn it off because it's adding fear in your life. You might have to throw your phone away. You might have to lose social media because why would you look for a ghost if you're afraid? Ah. Does that make sense? No. It doesn't. I know a ghost. His name ain't Casper. He's the Holy Ghost, and he will show up looking in a way you've never seen him show up before. He might come walking on water to you. He might come swimming on water. He might be jet skiing. I don't know, but he's going to show up. So you better be looking for one ghost only. Verse 27. They're like, stop preaching. Just read read the Bible. Verse 27. Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Jesus is a comedian, by the way. Like, these guys are freaking out. You know, Jesus, don't be afraid. You know, like, it just comes in. He knows it's going to be okay. He's like, I'm just going to play on these guys right now. Then he says, take courage. I am here. What are you afraid of today? In 2020, (laughs) in a life that we're in, I could probably give you 250 million things you could be afraid of. Anybody else? Anything you're scared of? You know, it's interesting. I'm like, man, I need to know about fear because I want to help some people today. This is for you. If you're dealing with fear, check this out. You know the most common type of fear? Social phobias. And a social phobia, because I was curious, it's defined as an anxiety disorder that is a result of excessive self-conscious behavior. Let me say that again excessive self-conscious behavior self-conscious behavior if you're afraid stop putting your thoughts on you we're scared of ourselves it's like a saying you're scared of your shadow or something like that we are you know some people are so afraid they won't eat in front of people that blows my mind i love to eat y'all I will eat every hour of the day. And so let me tell you something. I better not be the person that's stopping me from eating. I better not. Unless I'm getting fat, then I should probably stop myself from eating. But we are afraid of ourselves. Do you know that up to one in 20 people could have a social phobia? That's a lot of people. We're afraid because we just fear. There's some things we fear. We fear failure. We fear disappointment. We fear inadequacy. We fear uncertainty. We fear rejection. Here's a good one. How many of y'all know what FOMO is? If you know what it is, say it out loud to me. What is FOMO? Fear of missing out. Are you kidding me? That's like, that's like literally you could be living your best life. Man, I could have a $200,000 boat and my best friend has a $200,000 and one penny boat. And I'm so mad because he got a better boat than me. 
Fear missing out. Somebody else is going to get something better. Somebody else is going to get something better. You know what you need FOMO of? You need FOMO of what God's going to do in your life. Because if you miss out on what God has for you, that's not good. God has so much for you. So you better fear missing out all the things that God has for your life. So have FOMO. But not of a $200,000 boat of what God wants to do. He wants to change your life because he loves you. Mm. Gets me fired up. We fear change. We fear losing control. We fear getting hurt. So today, not just what are you afraid of, who are you afraid of? Are there people that are dictating stuff in your life? This is who I want to be afraid of, God. Do you know that the Bible is very clear that it is holy to fear God? That's a good thing. We should fear God. I'll give you, I'll give you Bible to prove it. Ready? Proverbs 8, 13, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Matthew 10, 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body and hell. The fear of the Lord despite whatever you've heard, is not the fear of a lightning bolt being struck down on you because you made a bad decision. That is not the God that I serve. The God that I serve just wants me to be in a posture of God. You are so holy. I don't even deserve anything, but here I am ready to receive because you've called me. You've chosen me. I'm ready for you. You just want my heart. Here it is. That is the fear of the Lord, and that is the place we should be. What does the Bible say? Don't fear, man. They can't touch you. So we need to throw away the fear of man because if we fear man, you can't fear God. And I want to do the one that the Bible tells me I should do. Not only does it say you should fear God, it says don't fear man. So now I'm being disobedient if I fear what people think about me. Uh-oh. That's not good. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want to like disobey God. He's got a lot of power. You know what I mean? And I love him. And so I just want to obey his commands. That's what the Bible says we would do because we love him. We want to receive from him. So Jesus says something so interesting here. He says, take courage, I am here. So I looked at take courage, what that means. Take courage refers to to be encouraged. That's what the original Greek is. We're in the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 14. Two times before this, Matthew writes the same thing. I believe that the words in the Bible are very specific. These guys got a download. They were ready to write the Bible, and so they're ready to receive. They're ready to write. They're ready to put this out. So I believe the words that God gave them to put in there are the ones that should be in there. So, with that being said, if he says it two times before this, I think there's something to see if he's using the same exact phrase. Jesus says, take courage, I'm here. The two people he did before that was a man who was paralyzed from birth and a woman who had an issue of bleeding for 12 years. And what Jesus does, shows up to these people, comes to them, encourages them, and he heals them. He sets them free. When he heals them, he says that phrase, take courage, you are healed. So what I think is that there's something so much bigger that we're about to see God do in the sea. What you think, what I always thought when I saw this passage was God is doing a water walking miracle. It's about Peter walking on water. But what God wants to do is a miracle in Peter. He wants to do a miracle in Peter. So if he says take courage, where in these past two people, he's done a radical transformation, just not on their outside, but he's healed them on the inside. He's told them, go be free. You're not gonna sin anymore. You're not gonna do those things. And he's done an inward healing. If he uses the same phrase 
here, I think he wants to do the same thing. Stop looking for a miracle to go through you when there's a miracle that needs to be done in you. And this blew me away. What he says after take courage is, I am here. Mm. He doesn't say, take courage, it's going to be all right. He doesn't say, take courage, that job you've been praying for, Eric, that job you've been waiting on, it's coming. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, take courage, I know you've been single for way too long, but that husband, that wife that you're waiting for is coming to you. He doesn't say that either. He says, take courage, I am here. Can we stop looking for God to bless us when his presence is so much more worth it? His presence is enough. He tells them you don't need, why would you think that you need something else when he's like, I'm right here, I'm with you. Why do you even doubt me? Because I want to bring you something that's inside. You want an outward gift. I want to change your life. Oh, We're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing it. We're looking for something on the outside, but God wants to do something on the inside. And what stinks to me is because the disciples in this passage, in this life that they lived, they had Jesus, but then Jesus would go away. He would leave them for moments like this time, and they would get frustrated. You know what makes me mad about myself when I get frustrated and when I can't figure out why God is is, is gone? It's because he's not. I have the Holy Spirit, and I'm still making these foolish decisions. Jesus never leaves me or forsakes me. It's in the Bible. The Holy Spirit lives in me. These guys didn't have that excuse. We don't either, man. We we have the Holy Spirit. So we should be encouraged because Jesus is right with us at all times. Verse 28, then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat, walked on water toward Jesus. I love obedience. Amen? I'm not a parent, but I had parents, and there's a lot of parents in the room. Something that I've heard is, you know, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? This is immediate obedience. Peter says, I'm good. Let's do it. He doesn't think about it. He actually really thinks here. I think he thinks, you know what? I just saw you feed 5,000 people. I don't care what voice says anything to me. I don't care what anybody says to me. I'm getting out of this boat because if you're the same God who just fed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, like that's crazy. If you're the same guy, then I better get out of this boat and come to you. Why would I want to stay here? But we don't, we don't see what the other disciples are doing in this passage. None of the Gospels talk about it. Matter of fact, not all four of the Gospels even put this story in it. This blew me away this week when I, when I was looking at that. The Gospel of Luke, this story never even happened. Now, I love Luke, but Luke's a physician. And so Jesus walking on water, science, there's like a gap there. I'm going there, right? Just saying. Mark and John... They don't even give Peter credit for getting out of the boat. They just say, oh, the disciples were terrified. They screamed, Jesus got in the boat. Isn't it the worst when you're known for how you react and not who you are? And people just, oh, that's the guy that freaked out about that. Oh, that's the guy that had a breakdown. That's the guy that lost his job because he couldn't handle it. Jesus calls you by name. He picks you. He picks you. He knows you. He wants you. He wants to be in relationship for you. So I'm so grateful for Matthew who decided to think it was important to tell us that Peter got out of the boat. Because you know what I think? I think he wanted our faith to build. 
Because this is cool to me. Peter, this dude is a cusser. Like he got a loud mouth. He got a bad mouth. If he had that reputation with, the, with us, like we know him as that, like Peter's the, you know, black, like he's just all over the place. He just blasted people. So if, if we think that, I'm sure the disciples are probably like this guy. This is Peter. The same Peter who a few days from now, when Jesus goes to the cross, is going to deny Jesus three times. Jesus knew that. The same Peter who, you know, in, in Hebrew culture, everybody studied to be a rabbi, to be a teacher, to be a part of the Jewish law. So if you were doing any other craft, it's because you weren't good enough to be a preacher and a rabbi. Peter fails at that job. He's being a fisherman. Jesus, the rabbi of rabbis, calls him to be. This Peter. You know what I think? I think Matthew wanted us to see this. Because I thought, I just feel like he was like, you know what? There's going to be one day where these people, they're going to be in the middle of a pandemic. And it's going to be crazy around them. They're going to be in the middle of watching their country tear itself apart over who knows what and why knows who. And they're going to need to know that if he can call Peter, who's got all these issues, if he can call Peter, who's been stuck in his life, if he can call Peter, who's had the worst past, he can call Peter to get out on a boat. He can start walking on his water. They might just start walking on their own problems. They might just start cruising on the water. They might just Forget that there's even a bad thing happening. Thank God for Matthew. <laughs> he wanted my faith to build. He wanted your faith to build. Whew. You still with me? You good? Man. And so it makes me believe, too, that Matthew, he had this faith, too. Right? If the other gospels, they don't put it in there, but Matthew chose to, I think Matthew was ready to get out of the boat. We don't get to know what the disciples say. I want to ask him when I meet him one day. But I think he did. I think he saw this happening and was like, Peter, you best get out of that boat, son. He said, because if you don't get out of the boat and our master just called for you to get out of the boat, I'm going to have to get out of the boat and I don't want to do that. So he said, Peter, go. I think he looked at Peter. He said, do you know that the Bible says that if we don't give a shout of praise, rocks will cry out? Peter, Jesus has called you the rock, and he's calling you to get out of the boat. Go. Thank God for Matthew. I think he wanted us to get something. Let me give you an analogy. Ready? We love boats in Erie, Pennsylvania. Matter of fact, I'm not from here. Y'all love boats in Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm not really sure why I said we just do. I don't know if it's because your winter is 18 months long, and so like your, your summers are just like, oh, we gotta have a boat because we hate the rest of the year. I don't know. It could be. But man, y'all boat people are some of the generous, most generous people I know. You'll come to church, have a great time. You'll, you'll walk around telling people, yo, we're going out on the boat this afternoon, and you practically invite the entire church to come on the boat with you. Then we all show up. Guess how, boat, like, how big your boat is? It fits like five people unreal like like seriously i'm just like oh and what i thought was a blessing now makes me learn patience now makes me wait now makes me frustrated like i wanted to get in the boat i wanted to be a part of the boat boats have capacities for a reason though you know for me until I really felt like this is where God was taking this, I was like, you know what? I just wanna, I just wanna get in a boat. I don't understand why there's capacity. Like boats, boats should not have capacity. Let's just throw one more person on there. They're not gonna freak out. The police aren't gonna show up like, whoop, whoop, you gotta get them off. I don't think so. I mean, it could. It could happen if it's happened to you. I'm sorry. But 
I'm just like, oh, let's let it happen. So I looked it up. Let me read it to you. What, what boat capacity, why is there? Overloading a boat can make it difficult to handle, especially in an emergency or bad weather. Overloaded boats also tend to use excessive fuel, and they're more likely to swamp or capsize. <laughs> whether you own a boat or not, this is a metaphor and a word for you. Do not overload your boat. But first, I want you to understand there is a boat. And there need to be people in your boat. There need to be people in your boat because you need community. You need voices that are going to speak to you. You need a Matthew in your life who's going to say, get out of the boat because God's calling you somewhere. But do not overload your boat because it says when bad weather comes, it's hard to handle. And if you have too many people in your boat, it's going to be hard to handle. If you got too many voices, opinions, concerns, you should handle it this way. I want to be the captain. No, I want to be the captain. You, you got people fighting over captaining your boat. Isn't that ridiculous? It says it uses excessive fuel. You might be so tired trying to just keep tension light on the boat that you don't even have fuel to steer out of a storm. What's, what's scary to me and I know they didn't have the same rules we have back there. Like that. I don't even know what these boats look like. But these guys are on a boat. They're in a storm together. Amen for that. Jesus shows up. What if their boat was at full capacity? Could Jesus have gotten in the boat? Can I tell you today, if Jesus is going to be the one person that sinks your boat, you don't got enough room. You need to make room for Jesus to have a seat. And if he doesn't have a seat in your boat, you might have to start pulling some people out because there's power in a no. There's power in a holy no that says, no, 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 no. I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to love you. But you don't get a voice in my life. You don't get an opinion in my life because your fruit doesn't match up with what the word of God says. And I might need to get somebody out of my boat. Who's in your boat? Who's in your boat? Maybe you're scared to ask people in your boat. Maybe you're scared to take that step. You're in good company. Jesus felt fear too. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Ready? Watch this. Jesus went with them, talking about the disciples, to the olive garden or the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief. What a horrible place to be, to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus was afraid here, people. He is hours away from his purpose. He is hours away from fulfilling all that God created him for. When you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to a purpose. And when you say yes to that purpose, that purpose holds power. And the only way that power can be accessed is through prayer. Jesus got this. Jesus got this. 39, verse 39. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My Father, it is possible. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Peter got called in a struggle with waves and a boat. God called Jesus to a struggle with a cross. You know, it's interesting. When Peter's sinking, man, we can miss this. We can miss this opportunity to receive from God. When Peter is sinking, 
It's a struggle. God has picked you by your name, not your issue. He doesn't care what your issue is. He's picked you by your name. And when he picks you, he doesn't pick you so that you can struggle. What kind of Lord would call a man out of a boat and then just make him sink? A Lord that wants you to realize it's all his power and not yours. See, God doesn't want you to struggle. He wants you to overcome, but it only comes because you access with him and what he wants for your life. See, you might miss this today, but there's a struggle that Peter is in, and he's called to the struggle. God might call you to a struggle because he wants you to see that it's in his power that he overcomes. See, with Peter, I think he wanted him to see this, that Peter's eyes were taken off of Jesus. He began to sink, but Jesus was the one who was making him walk on water. So Jesus, even if Peter took his eyes off, could still have him afloat. And just because he started to sink, I think it was because he says, the Bible says, Jesus immediately reached for him. I think you need to know today that if you're called to a struggle and you feel like you're sinking, God is immediately pulling you out. God is pulling you. He is calling you and he knows you. Oh. Bible says in verse 40, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, Water walking Peter, it's the same guy. Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Verse 41, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You need to be in a boat. You need to be a part of a boat. And if you're in somebody's boat, if somebody has gifted you that seat, Please don't be someone that falls asleep because somebody's going to need you. We've seen stories in this church of people that have had people by their side that when they needed them, they were there. That's the type of people we should be. But I love anyway that Peter who struggled, who overcame, who struggled, who overcame, who struggled, still gets a seat in Jesus' boat. Are you kidding me? He put him in the boat because he wanted him to be close. So today I'm asking you, who's in your boat? Do you have people in your boat? Don't be afraid. Jesus felt fear too, but he didn't act on it. He responded, God, I need you. Your will be done, not mine. <laughs> it's the fear of the Lord. Come on. We just offer it. We just say, God, use me. We just say, God, I don't want to do this by myself. God, I can't do this by myself. I have the incredible honor and privilege of leading our student ministry here at Elevate. And I don't take it as a commitment lightly. I believe that I have to hold myself to a standard for that. But I've decided that I'm going to have a boat. And I've put some people in my boat. There's Joe and Joe and Angel Madeline, Carolina, there's Braden. Those are the names of some of my youth leaders, y'all. And they're the most brave, courageous people because they have understood the vision that I've shared with them, that if anything is going to change in this country, if anything's going to change in this city, it's going to start with youth. It's going to start with people who are being told lies. It's starting with the kids that are being told they're not worth it. It's starting with kids that are being told they don't matter, but they do makes me so mad that's what the culture teaches so if you're a student in this room if you're watching online you know that I love you with all of my heart I would die for you 
but I need some people in my boat. Why? Because I believe every student should have their boat as well. And so I have brought some people in on my boat so that I can help them, I can guide them so that they can lead our students, your kids, because I believe there is so much power in them. And I want them to know that not only are they going to have a leader in their boat who can help captain them through storms, they have other people in their boat too, other students, so that they can go through it together because there's something about coming together that just makes all the difference. Who's in your boat? Would you bow your head with me wherever you are across the room or online, just in this moment, just honor the Lord. And I believe this word is for you. I believe this word is here to help you. I believe this word is here to set you free today. I don't know who is in your boat. I believe some of you are going to have to have tough conversations this week about some people that need to get out of your boat. And I believe you can have some really great conversations of asking some really good people to get in your boat. But why would you ever settle for a little fisherman's boat when God has called you to receive your yacht? He's got a big boat for you. He's got big plans for you. He's got a lot for you. But we just let fear run our lives. We are afraid. We are stuck. We are trapped. We are plagued. And I believe I'm talking to a lot of people in this room because I know I'm talking to myself as well. We let fear choose it all. Inadequacy, fear of rejection. We got FOMO, all the things that I've mentioned. And we are afraid and we let it make decisions. Let's not let it make our decisions. In just one moment, I'm going to ask you to be bold. If you want to get set free from fear, I believe God will do it today. I believe he is here for you. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and break off every chain of fear in your life. But you're going to have to be bold. I'm going to ask you to throw up your hand in just a moment. And right now, thoughts are already flooding your head because you're not going to want to raise your hand. That's the enemy speaking to you. He wants to keep you stuck in the fear that he's got you trapped in. But today, I believe God is going to set you free. So on the count of three, I want you to give the hardest, boldest hand put up in the air because I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Put your hand up if you want to be set free from fear. There's 800,000 fears. There's got to be one. If you want to be set free today, I'm praying for you right now. In Jesus' name, I release peace over every single person who wants to be set free from fear. God, you have called us to a place of peace, a place of a sound mind. You have not called us to have fear in our life. You've called us for it to be thrown to the wayside. You've called us to have peace in our hearts. God, so I just speak life and peace to every person that is receiving today, every person that's being bold online, in the room, that's throwing their hand up and saying, you know what? I want to walk away from this. I don't want to walk out of here the same way. God, I pray you bless them. God, I pray you heal them. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every fear and it has to break in Jesus' name. There is no authority that the enemy has over your life in Jesus' name. There's one more invitation I want to give right now. You're thinking about your boat, ah, but you've never put Jesus in that boat. Or maybe you have put Jesus in that boat, and at some point in time, you kicked him out or you let him out. That's okay. I want you to know that today. If somebody's told you otherwise, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus wants to captain your boat. He wants to be so close to you that you just forget about everything else. So in just a second, I'm going to ask you to be even bolder, because I want to know that God is going to move in your life tonight. So on the count of three, one, 
two, three. Throw your hand up if you've never given your life to Jesus or you're saying today, I'm giving it back to him. The enemy's tried to steal it, but I'm giving it back to him. I'm making this commitment between me and God right now, and I just believe that. Let me pray with you. I'm gonna ask us as a church to do this together because we're a family and we do this as one. Repeat these words after me. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you that I don't have to be afraid, that I can be set free, that I can be healed, that I can be full of peace because you live inside of me. Today I ask that you would come in. Today I give you permission to captain my life. And God, I pray that you would change my life forever and I commit to living for you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it. So please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.